0: This is Angelo with Danceable Thoughts, and this is our weekly podcast, Hear It Tonight, Use It Tomorrow. Today we're talking about the concept of a practice book. When I say the word practice book, I help you visualize... I'm going to say like an old-fashioned piano practice book. A musician would have, for whatever instrument, maybe vocalist, a set of selections all bound together in one book that they're going to turn to when it's time for them to practice. It's time for them to work their skills and drills i'm going to take that idea of a practice book to a little different level for you as a director this is for you this practice book is going to be i hope in your mind a beautiful blending of a calendar a set of agendas Um, even I want to say a journal that you're going to rely upon to help you reflect on the things that are working well in your program and the things that you definitely want to improve as each new day arises and you have the opportunity to work with your students again. When we were in the workshop at TDA, I gave several different time frames of planning to be effective and efficient in your rehearsals. On one level, we talk about a daily agenda. That's going to be its own podcast, just focusing on the energy of putting together a daily agenda that that really has components that are effective for improving your students as dancers, artists, performers. There's also another idea in there. We've got two, two different kinds of two-week windows. There's a lot of two, two, twos in there. One two-week window that I'd love for you to focus on is looking at that critical performance that you have coming up, that big, big, adjudicated, judged event or that big public performance where it's going to be really important that your students are putting their best dancing feet forward. With that two-week window, I want you to work backwards and I want you to pretty much count the 10 rehearsals, whether they fall exactly on two weeks in the calendar, but I want you to look at that and think about how you want to make sure that you are covering these different topics. Again, this is the beginning of our new season of podcasts. That will get its own focused conversation. Today, what I want to focus on is my two-week challenge for you as the director, as the boss, as the big cheese who is running rehearsals. I want to arm you with some new tools to take into this contest season I think will help you be really spectacular when it comes to creating effective and efficient rehearsals that get the most from your students. So if you're looking into the paperwork that I ask you to download, again, that's from www.danceablethoughts.com. You can go there. On The pop-up will show up. Then you go to the banner where it says, hear it tonight, use it tomorrow. There's an opportunity for you to download several documents that relate to the topics that we're covering right now. One of those is a set of two tables week one week two days one through five enumerated when i put this together i put it in my mindset that i was preparing three different routines all for some critical date coming up in the future so when you look at the dance routine objectives you're going to see that it breaks up the time working Reviewing a little bit, focusing, that kind of thing. That's going to be very typical, and um, for most, everyone's going to work in a similar fashion. You customize that the way you need to. What I want to focus with you on is what I call the director challenges, things that I'd love for you to introduce. So, the very first thing that I mention is pacing. When I think about pacing, I feel like everyone could work a little bit faster in your rehearsals. I want to give you some practical ideas, starting with your music. So when you are waiting for the dance to, to the rehearsal to begin, make sure that you have somewhere in your near possession a chart of what's happening when. So you're going to have to do a little background work where you take the music, play it out, think to yourself, okay, at 33 seconds that's where the first chorus is and then down at 45 seconds that's the big triangle section Uh, down at minute 10 that's where the lift happens so you have a visual outline and labeled places where you can cue your music up I feel like we lose a lot of valuable practice time just waiting for the music to get to the right In this digital age, there's very few excuses for letting that lag time happen because it changes the energy in the room. So that's one practical thing. Whether it's you, an assistant, or your managers, give yourself that music skeleton to work for from for the second thing that i'm going to ask you to do it talks about hydration we're very into making sure our dancers have proper hydration water breaks is the old phraseology that a lot of people use i'm going to remind you to tell your students that they're Um, water, their hydration station, their personal hydration station, should be a well-labeled water bottle that's somewhere along the perimeter of whatever space you're working in. So when you tell them there's a water break, they go directly to that spot. They don't have to leave the practice area. They get a sip, and then they come back to the space. Somewhat controversial. Some people say you should not let your students sit down during a water break. You play that one out however you want to I think there is some merit to the idea that if they plop down they start a conversation if there's something else in the zone where their water bottle is namely probably their phone they're gonna get distracted they're gonna lose focus so second practical idea to pacing is those shorter quicker hydration breaks sounds so much fancier than water break When I talk about water breaks and I call them hydration stations, that leads me into something else that I say often, which is change your words. When you talk to your kids on a a fun level, you ask them sometimes, hey, what do I say over and over? And you're going to crack up at the phrases that you use all the time that they pick up on and probably mimic When you are running a rehearsal, I'm gonna encourage you, as I jokingly call it, to become a thesaurus of ways to compliment people. So really change what their ears hear. Um, When you talk about pacing them through a rehearsal, um, instead of saying stop, do it again, think about saying to them instead, I'd like for you to reset. Or I'd like you to reset in X amount of seconds. Reset. Do it fast. Do it quick. Um, That's one way to say do it again without saying stop. Do it again. Same thing with those compliments. I'm going to talk to you very honestly. The closer you are in age to your students, the less you should be using phrases that are common to their vocabulary. In other words, their slang. Even if it's hip, it's cool. It's funny when sixty little 60 year old me says to you. You know, I'm going to use some colloquial phrases. Um, even that sounds old. But when you are you are close to their age, you need to up their vocabulary. Let them aspire to learn new ways of saying things and let them aspire to it because they mimic you. So even if it sounds hilarious when you're saying that was, you know, that was an admirable effort it's great for you to change the way their ears tune into hearing compliments and receiving constructive criticism. So changing your words is a very powerful tool. When I think about pacing and changing your words, I use that concept of reset. Uh, I want you to think about chunking together those two concepts, making them work a little bit faster and efficient. One of the recommendations I give often is to do things in three to five minute three to five time repetitions and again it's that same idea that you're going to tell them in short bullet points what you want them to do do not talk in paragraphs Short bullet points, I want you to focus on uh, turns, I want you to focus focus on your arms, I want you to work on the extensions, I want you to focus, you're telling them what you want them to focus on and what you're going to look at. So you do three to five reps, if you see three to five reps, then you have surveyed the group, you have not gotten focused on the one person that keeps making the same mistake, you've looked at the overall group, and then after those three to five reps, you give them some feedback. So it's changing the pace, it's changing the way they hear and receive constructive criticism, and it's going to make you much more effective because you will not get focused on one specific student. Now let's talk about getting focused on one specific student. If there's an area of the, of the dance space in your practice you see, you know, backstage right, they, are not, they don't put out the right energy, do what a classroom teacher does. Change where you stand in the room. It's a great, powerful tool for you to move out of front and center and stand in the back left corner, stand in the side, watch the dance from the side. It changes the energy of the people nearest you and you get a different product from them and I feel like you're going to see things a little bit differently. Here's my warning to you, don't get fixated on the mistakes that you are seeing, reminding you that when you are looking at a dance from the side or from the back, that is not for you necessarily to gain valuable information is more for bringing the energy level up in the room now you will get some valuable information but don't lose your energy trying to correct something that's never going to be seen from the point of view where most dances are visually prepared to be seen from the top front center remember we as dancers are taught to dance up to to the balconies lifting those chins and performing to that high center area so changing your, your pace, changing your words, changing where you stand in the room, those are all simple ideas. I don't want you to try instantly to do all of these things at the same time you want to sprinkle them into your rehearsals you will be exhausted you would be exhausted if you try to do all of these changes all at once but if you will do them incrementally it'll be different for your students and it will be different for you here's a really different approach that some people never take the time to do it but i'm begging you to think about it i'd like for you to really work backwards especially when you're in that two-week window critical to your performance, that other two-week window we talked about. Work on the ends of your routines, the last section, the last finishing moments. Make sure that stamina-wise, technique-wise, muscle memory-wise, that the students, the dancers, have had the most repetitions that you can offer them on those sections so that you're finishing with a wow you do not want to have a spectacular opening section of a dance that then wanes and then gets slowly and slowly less interesting. So I want you to think about the bookends of your routine think about the ending. Once Once you have gotten through those first critical weeks of preparing for any performance, when you have time to focus and you want to focus on something very important, please prioritize working on the ends of your dances, working backwards from the end to make sure you're finishing with a spectacular ending. Last thing that I want to suggest to you that you can easily start planning to do and incorporating is bring in another set of eyes. In an ideal world, that other set of eyes would be another dance professional, totally understands your artistic vision, someone who understands your love of perfect technique, to, that understands what you're trying to do with your, your dancers in the vocabulary of movement. Those folks are not always easy to find. Maybe you don't have it in your budget. You don't have them in your proximity. So if you need to look more locally for extra sets of eyes, I want to give you some really concrete ideas. First of all, turn to your other performing arts folks. If you've got a band director who works with the marching band, they're going to understand spacing and transitions. They're also going to understand the musicality of your choreography same thing with your theater teacher your theater teacher definitely understands blocking they might be a wonderful resource for helping you get your kids to be more emotive expressive working on that projection they might have a magic word or two that they can say same thing with your vocal coach or your choir director they know how to elicit emotions and those are folks that can bring a different set of comments Not just a different set of eyes, but a different set of comments to your students. Talking about a different set of comments, why not talk to your athletic coaches? who better than a bunch of athletic coaches to understand the athleticism of the physicality of the dance that you are preparing and also when it comes to being um ready for a come a competition a competitive atmosphere your athletic coaches your coaches are going to understand how to motivate your students they're going to give them an insight into being competitive. They'll use different words from you probably to say the same thing, but it will come to those students ears a little bit differently because it's a different source. Same thing I want to say to you about uh, looking for different sets of eyes to see your students and then to give them feedback. Look at what I call the friends and family circle. Your students deserve an opportunity to perform their dances in front of a friendly audience. You know, sometimes we have an open dress rehearsal so that they understand what it feels like to have somebody clap in the middle of a dance. They know what to do if they make a mistake, how to recover from that. So it's very important that you have a very non-critical audience. In fact, you will prep that audience and tell them to clap for them and cheer them on. I used to explain to my um, friends and family audience, which is usually their parents and their, their buddies, hey, this is a part where they get really, really tired, so cheer them on at this point. You can can create the energy and atmosphere from your audience by helping them understand what they're looking at. So there's some education that you can offer your audience that's gonna pay off benefits in the long run. Same thing with when you're talking about friends and family, think about your administrators on your campus, think about the teachers on your campus, invite them, tell them when rehearsals are happening. They don't have to be there for a formal performance, but if they stroll into a rehearsal, it does several things. It changes the energy because somebody from the outside world has come into their rehearsal, and secondly, if it's the right person, and I know these teachers and admins are out there, they will find an opportunity to tell your kids how appreciative they are of the efforts. They may not understand the movement, they may not understand what that contemporary dance is all about, but they're going to understand the effort. And when they repeat to those students, hey, I saw you in practice, so that was so cool, or, I really like that dance, that energizes your students and gives them confidence and a boost and enthusiasm that, as much as you want to tell them how much you love and adore what they're doing, it always pays off to hear it from someone else. So, I want you to think about that as well that you can bring in different sets of eyes. So, again, I've talked to you about pacing, changing your words, changing where you're standing, thinking about working in a different order. One more time, let me re- reiterate. Don't do all of these in one rehearsal. You'd be exhausted. Your students would be exhausted. They would feel like it was chaos. Set aside about a third of any specific rehearsal for you to say to yourself, you know, during this time, I'm going to work on changing my words or for a third of this rehearsal, I may stand over there. These are gonna be important things that will help you going forward. So when you look at the two week challenge and the tables that I created for you, there are two line items, agenda adjustments and journaling. These are the critical parts that are gonna create not just a calendar, not just a journal, but what we're gonna think of as our practice book. So this is where I'm gonna tell you gotta challenge yourself. You've gotta save time at the end of your rehearsal when you've dismissed the kids before you're off to whatever next thing is on your personal schedule to reflect and to journal about what was successful, what was not as successful, what strategies you used, what you got to as far as checking things off your list, what things still needed to be done. I like the idea of the daily agenda that's visible because you can let str- take a nut. Take and check things off, scratch it off your to-do list, and then you can circle things you need to work on. It makes a very powerful statement to physically see, we got this done, we didn't reach it that. My suggestion to you is for the first three or four days when you are working with this concept of these you know visible agendas, when you don't get something done, don't go back and fix it the next day. Don't say, oh, we didn't get it done, we can always leave it till tomorrow you can do that later because you're going to reflect and you're going to probably reschedule some things later on in the next week or so anyway. But there's something powerful to leaving something undone and making sure that you make a note of it. Not necessarily critici- criticizing anyone, but saying, you know, we had X amount of things we wanted to accomplish and we missed these things. So we're going to have to work faster. You're going to get them on board because they want to see items checked off their list just as much as you do. This journaling and this Scheduling adjustment is key to you becoming more effective and efficient in the way you plan and the way your rehearsals will go from day to day, the transition from one day to the next. And that's where the practice book visualization comes in. So most of you, if I gave you that that image of that practice book and I said, hey, it's the end of the practice session, you visualize that book closing, being put away somewhere, That's where my podcaster gave me the idea that I loved the very most. His idea was, don't close your practice book. In fact, leave it open to where you want to start the next day. So you have no excuse. When you come into your practice space the next day, you know exactly where you want to pick up and go. I really love that idea. It seems so simple, and yet I don't think we do that. We probably use our space for other things. But if you can have the visual, maybe of leaving that practice book open, and then the next day or the next rehearsal, when you come into that space, that book, maybe have as a bookmark or whatever, you look right at your previous day's journaling. You can look at what your to-do list is to do, but I really wanna break you of the habit of only looking today and forward. Take a moment to see what you accomplished the day before and where you wanna take that in a transition fashion to the next rehearsal that you're starting. So this idea of leaving the practice book open, it may not physically work for you, but mentally I want you to think about how you're gonna connect what happened at the last rehearsal what will happen in the new rehearsal and I feel like this is going to make everything flow and you're going to start to develop this sense of a flow from one rehearsal to the next this is my idea for you I hope you'll hear this tonight and use it tomorrow the danceable thoughts world is all about thinking it through and seeing your students dance it out I hope you'll tune in next week for more ideas we're going to continue on this path toward making you feel like the most successful dance director out there